1: Hello everybody, I'm Haley, and I'm Andrea, and this is a quick bonus episode of Inhuman, a true crime podcast. So, I wanted to do a little update on the Murdoch, Murdoch. depending on (laughs) who you hear. The judge sounded like he was saying Murdoch, but then when Murdoch himself says it, it sounds like Murdoch, so I don't know.
0: It's weird, because they say Alec Murdoch.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then other people say Alex, like uh, the prosecutor was saying Alex, so I'm like, I don't know what to say, but the Murdoch case... I mean... um, They're South Carolinians. Y'all know how I talk, so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, but it just came to an end. The trial just came to an end. Um, Mm -hmm. The case is nowhere near over because there's a lot of other pending things going on, but Mm -hmm. the murder trial just came to an end yesterday, and I wanted to do a little update about kind of what happened and just an update on it. Right. So, We did cover this case in episode 121, so if you want to go back and listen to the initial coverage of that, you can go back and listen to that. It was a while ago, so a lot has happened since then, but Mm -hmm. that gives like the basic backstory of everything that happened. So don't come for us with details, because a lot of details have been uncovered since we covered it on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll also kind of give you guys like a basic overview, but we covered it in more depth in episode 121. But the Murdoch trial began on January 23rd, and this was Alec Murdoch standing trial for the murder of his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul. Paul. So in June 2021, um, Alex and Maggie were living separately. Um, they, it's said that there was maybe some issues with their marriage, but that's not confirmed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: On June 7th, 2021, Alex called Maggie asking her to meet him at the family's Moselle property. They call it Moselle. It's a huge property, lots of acreage. Mm-hmm. And he was like, can you come meet me here and then we can go to the hospital to visit my father? Because his father was basically on his deathbed. And Maggie was like, not really sure about this. She was like, why would we meet at the house and then go? And she even texted a friend kind of being like, I don't know how I feel about this. But she agreed and went to the property.
0: I feel like that's very telling to the fact that she was apprehensive about going
1: Yeah, she like definitely felt something was off. Mm -hmm. So when she got there, she literally like left her car running because she was like, I'm just going to go say hi and then we're going to go. Yeah. She went over to the dog kennels on the property where her son Paul was taking photos of a dog that he was watching for a friend. And it's believed that that is where Paul and Maggie were shot. Mm -hmm. Well learn a little bit more about this uh when i talk about what happened in the trial but all that's known you know before the trial took place was that after this alec called 911 at 1007 p.m. to report that he had come home and found his wife and son shot to death
2: mm-hmm.
1: so when authorities arrived paul and maggie were pronounced dead paul was shot at close range in the chest and maggie was shot five times
0: yeah that's overkill
1: the extreme yeah and um their murders went unsolved for months because you know they were investigating but um they they didn't really have any suspects right and then on September 14th Alec Murdoch was attacked so he was uh on the side of the road changing a tire and he was shot at in the head it missed him so he wasn't actually injured but it was like oh my gosh this guy has tried to had somebody tried to kill him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but then it came out that he had hired his cousin to murder him, so that his surviving son Buster could receive a life insurance payout. Because if he, if Alec had taken his own life, the insurance payout wouldn't be as much. Right. But if he was murdered, it would be. So after this, Alec Murdoch was charged with insurance fraud mm-hmm. and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, filing a false police report. And he also was being charged with a whole plethora of financial crimes related to him embezzling money, stealing money at his law firm.
0: Which is hilarious because he everyone talks about like how um, like he was not the greatest lawyer, like he basically
1: didn't even practice law. Yeah. So he's embezzling money when he's not really even doing anything. He's just... That's probably why he had to embezzle money because he probably yeah. wasn't making money to keep up with this lifestyle that him and his yep. family had and, and his drug S- habit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that all happened. And then in July 2022, Paul or uh, Alec was indicted by a grand jury on two counts of murder for the death of Maggie and Paul. And he pled not guilty. So that is the trial that was happening. It started in January 2023. The prosecution's case was that Alec killed his wife and son basically to gain sympathy and escape the investigation into all of the financial crimes that were ha- that was happening. And they actually had one witness that was um, the CFO of Alec's law firm. She testified that she had confronted Alec about the missing funds, about $500,000 worth of missing funds, the morning that Paul and Maggie were killed. So it's kind of like, okay, he was confronted with this information and then they died that night.
0: Yeah, it's suspicious.
1: Yeah. Um, So a couple of the things that came out after or during the trial the biggest piece of evidence was a Snapchat that Paul had attempted to send. So the photo actually never went through, but they were able to recover it or the video. And what it was, was it was recorded at 8.44 p.m. And it's believed that Paul and Maggie were shot at 8.50 p.m. Yeah. And the video itself is just of a a dog in the kennel. Mm -hmm. But in the background, you can hear a voice that sounds very much like Alec Murdoch. Oh, yeah. And this completely destroys his alibi because he said he was not at the house or near the dog kennels at that time at all he Until was like after i was murdered. there yeah. yep and so during the trial several witnesses testified that this was his voice and then when <sighs> alec murdoch took the stand he ended up admitting that he was there at the dog kennels and he basically said that he lied because he was paranoid because of hit he, he was on drugs he was a uh addicted to opioids. Mm -hmm. And he said, I was paranoid, that made me lie about where I was, and then I just kept lying.
2: Mr. Murdoch, is that you? On the kennel video at 8.44 p.m. on June 7th, the night Maggie and Paul were murdered. It is. Were you in fact at the kennels at 8.44 p.m. on the night Maggie and Paul were murdered? I was. Did you lie to Sled Agent Owen and Deputy Laura Rutland? on the night of June 7th and told them that you stayed at the house after dinner?
3: I did lie to them.
2: Alec, why did you lie to Agent Owen, Agent Croft and Deputy Rutland about the last time you saw Maggie and Paul? As my addiction evolved over time, I would get in these situations or circumstances where I would get paranoid thinking and all those things Coupled together, after finding them, coupled with my distrust for SLED, caused me to have paranoid thoughts.
1: So he admitted on the stand to lying about this to police. For months, almost two years, he lied and said he was not at the dog kennel. And then the prosecution presented this evidence that proved he was there. And he was like, okay, yeah, I was. I found it hilarious, too, watching the trial when these people were like, that is
0: 100% Alex's voice. <laughs> and he's like death glaring them.
1: Yeah. And then he ended up admitting it. Yeah. So he he ended up saying that he did go down to the dog kennels with Maggie and Paul, following them in a golf cart. And he said that they had eaten dinner together that evening. And then they went down to the kennels but he said that he went down there was only down there for a minute and then he drove back up to the house and left Maggie and Paul there so and fast. then he yeah exactly <laughs> and then he said that he ended up taking a nap and then left the house at 907 p.m. to visit his mom now him leaving at 907 p.m is true he did leave the house yeah but that is like almost 20 minutes after it's believed that paul and maggie were shot you know their exact time of death isn't known but it's pretty much believed that they were shot right around 8 50 p.m for sure yeah yeah and when he left the house he ended up calling his son buster his surviving son who testified that it was a normal call everything sounded normal And then he also, Alec also made several calls to Maggie's phone during this time period. And basically, the prosecution put out that this was him trying to create an alibi.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what everyone does. That's nothing original,
1: you know? Yeah, exactly. So in the prosecution's version of events, all of this happened him just creating an alibi but he continued to claim no this this I left I didn't see them they were alive when I left them There was a whole bunch of other test of testimony um but that's kind of the main things that came out one other thing that the prosecution b- brought was another snapchat photo that uh, or video that Paul had taken earlier that evening of Alec wearing like nicer pants and a nicer top but then when police arrived at just after 10 p.m. he was wearing like a raggedy like shirt and shorts right. and so they tried to say this could mean that he got his clothes dirty and changed them and actually that initial pair of clothes have never been found yep so that's a little suspicious yeah, but again it it's just circumstantial
0: yeah because if he provided those that that clothing that could be i mean yeah. it would like you said it's circumstantial so it wouldn't just completely clear him but it would be great in his favor to prove that he was not there yeah exactly
1: separately from this trial murdoch faces nearly 100 charges for various financial crimes um and then also for the uh insurance fraud trying Mm. to create his own death yeah he's brazen i tell you what Mm -hmm. there's also other crimes connected to this case including the death of mallory beach Ugh the death of steven smith and the death of um gloria and now i'm totally blanking on her last name but the murdoch's, the nanny yeah, the murdoch's previous uh housekeeper yeah. um we talked about that all in episode 121 and since that's not what this trial is about i'm not going to get into that um yeah. but maybe we will do another eventually. episode on that eventually mm-hmm. so during this trial Prosecutor Creighton Waters was painting a picture of a desperate Alec Murdoch, basically saying that the pressures from police investigating his financial crimes, the pressures from his son Paul potentially standing trial for his involvement in the death of Mallory Beach and just everything else going on with the family led Murdoch to kill Paul and Maggie. Um, The defense of course, said that Murdoch is the victim in this. (laughs) They tried to claim that, you know, the police were so sure that Murdoch was guilty from the start that they didn't do a proper investigation. And of course, Murdoch took the stand and he continued to deny his involvement. On Thursday, March 2nd, the jury went for deliberation and they deliberated for just under four hours and they came back with a verdict. And that verdict was guilty on all counts. Mm -hmm. So he was found, he was charged with the murder of Maggie, the murder of Paul, found guilty on both of those. He had also been charged with possession of a uh, weapon during a crime, two counts of that, also found guilty on both counts of that. So this was actually really shocking to a lot of people because it kind of I thought there was going to be like a hung jury or at least the deliberation would take a lot more time Same. Than three hours or four <laughs> hours. Yeah. Um, But it didn't. And they were convinced. And so they found him guilty. And then sentencing happened this morning, Friday, March 3rd. I'm going to insert some uh, audio from what the judge said during like for the sentencing um you know the and and also I'm going to insert audio from what the prosecutor said before the sentencing because prosecutor and defense have the chance to say something to the judge before sentencing so I'll insert what the prosecutor said um the defense didn't say anything but Alec addressed the judge and basically said I didn't do it so I'll play that audio and then I'll play what the judge had to say but before I do that I'm just going to tell you that he was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for both murders. These are consecutive terms, so served at the same time, but he's spending his entire (laughs) life in prison. Yeah, as he should. I mean,
0: he even because we had a lot of people reach out and say, oh, we don't think that he pulled the trigger, but he was involved. If you're involved in your your child and your wife's murder You deserve the maximum punishment, in my opinion. And that's what he got. And I'm so thankful that our justice system came through and did the right thing because powerful, rich Mm -hmm. men, especially white men in a lot of cases, they get away with literal murder. So, yeah, I'm I'm glad that he got justice. Especially in this
1: case, because he was in the, like, law world yeah he literally had like that judge had seen him before Mm -hmm. um they had to remove a portrait of his grandfather that was hanging in the courtroom before the trial because they wanted it to be a fair trial so like this family was well known in that universe and I think a lot of people were worried that he would get away with it because of that yep Um, me included yeah Mm -hmm. but he didn't so I'm gonna play some of that audio for you guys um and that'll kind of wrap it up For now, again, if there's anything else that comes out, we'll update. We might do future update episodes on some of the other things that uh, Murdoch was involved or potentially involved in, allegedly involved in, um, because more has come out since we did that initial episode. But for now, Maggie and Paul got justice because their killer will be behind bars for the rest of his life. Um, And, you know, I'm sure he's going to appeal. There's no question about it. But hopefully nothing will go through, and that will be it for them. Yeah, him.
0: and hopefully next, Mallory Beach and Stephen Smith will get justice for their, Even if they're not involved with the Murdoch family, I mean, they still deserve justice, so. 100%. Uh,
2: Your Honor, uh, very quickly, uh, the defendant has no prior record, uh, and the state has no... Uh, victim impact people who want to speak at this time Uh, but I will address the court briefly and I don't need uh, your honor to repeat the evidence uh, that your honor just heard for the past six weeks uh, but it is overwhelming and it shows this man to be a cunning manipulator a man who placed himself above all others including his family Uh, a man who violated the trust of so many including his friends his family his partners, his profession, but most of all, Maggie and Paul. This is a very complicated situation and I I want to offer my condolences to the family that has suffered here. Uh, We have tried very hard to be respectful and sensitive regardless of what position any person took uh, because this family has suffered and they've had to suffer in the public eye I want to offer my condolences to this family. I want to offer it for Maggie and Paul and Mr. Randolph, too, who I had the pleasure of working with on one occasion. But the reality remains is that despite all this attention, this case is about Maggie Murdoch and Paul Murdoch, and I'm so thankful that the jurors gave them a voice. you heard about Paul, Obviously, there was the vote case, but you also heard him described as a fun-loving young man, a person who loved life, a person who would do anything for his friends, for anyone. And he's cut down as he was just starting to live his life. You heard about Maggie. You heard how sweet she was. You heard that she was a girl's girl who adapted to the outdoorsman life of her sons, how much she loved her sister and her brother-in-law, And their children and she was cut down in the prime of her life. Both of them like everyone else was unaware of who he really was. No one who thought they knew this man, no one who thought they were close to this man knew who he really was and your honor that's chilling and I've looked in his eyes and he liked to stare me down as he would walk by me during this trial. And I could see the real Alex Murdoch when he looked at me. The depravity, the callousness, the selfishness of these crimes are stunning. The lack of remorse and the effortless way in which he lies, including here, sitting right over there in this witness stand. Your Honor, a man like that, a man like this man, should never be allowed to be among free law-abiding citizens again. And I would submit to you that the only just sentence here to give justice for Maggie and Paul is the maximum. And that would be two consecutive life sentences. Mr. Griffin and I would have no comment. The defendant would like to address the court, though. Mr. Murdoch. Good morning, Your Honor. I'm innocent. I would never hurt my wife, Maggie. And I would never hurt my son, Paw. Thank you, Your Honor.
3: Thank you. This has been. Perhaps one of the most troubling cases, not just for. Me as a judge. Uh, for the state, for the defense team. But for all of the citizens in this. Community, all the citizens in this state and as we've seen based on the media coverage throughout the nation. You have a wife who's been killed, murdered, a son savagely murdered, a lawyer, a person from a respected family who has controlled justice in this community for over a century, a person whose grandfather's portrait hang at the back of the courthouse that I had to have ordered removed in order to ensure that a fair trial was had by both the state and the defense. And I've sat through the trial. It's also particularly troubling, uh, Mr. Merida, because uh, as a member of the legal community and a well-known member of the legal community, uh, you've practiced law before me. And we've seen each other at various occasions throughout the years and it was especially heartbreaking for me to see you um, go go in the media from being a, a grieving father who lost a wife and a son to being the person indicted and convicted of killing them. And you've engaged in such duplicitous conduct Uh, here in the courtroom, here on the witness stand, and as established by the testimony throughout the time leading from the time of the indictment and prior to the indictment throughout the trial to this moment in time, uh, certainly you uh, have no obligation to say anything other than saying, not guilty. And obviously, as appeals are probably expected or absolutely expected, I would not uh, expect a confession of any kind. In fact, as I've presided over murder cases over the past 22 years, I have yet to find a defendant who could go there, who could go back to that moment in time when they decided to pull the trigger or to otherwise murder someone. I have not been able to get anyone, any defendant, even those who have confessed to being guilty, to go back and explain to me what happened at that moment in time when they opted to pull the trigger, when they opted to commit the most heinous crimes known to man, in this case, qualifies under our death penalty statute, based on the statutory aggravating circumstances of two or more people being murdered by the defendant by one act, or pursuant to one scheme or course of conduct. I don't question at all the uh, decision of the state not to pursue uh, the death penalty. But as I sit here in this courtroom and look around the many um, portraits of judges and other Court officials and reflect on the fact that over the past century, your family, including you, have been prosecuting people here in this courtroom, and many have received the death penalty, probably for lesser conduct. Remind me of the expression you uh, gave on the witness stand, was it? Tangled? Tangled web, we weave. Uh, uh, oh, what tangled web we weave? What did you mean by that? You meant when I lied, I continued to lie. <clears throat> and the question is, when will it end? Uh, when will it end? And it, it, it's ended already for the jury because they've concluded that you Continue to lie and lie throughout your testimony. Perhaps with all the throng of people here, they, for the most part, all believe—or 80, 90 percent, 99 percent—believe that you continue to lie now when you your statement of denial uh, to the court. Perhaps you believe that it's, it does not matter uh, that there's n- nothing that can mitigate a sentence given the crime, crimes that were committed. You know, a notice of alibi was filed in this case by counsel in November and we conducted a hearing, pretrial hearing, in which you claimed to have been someplace else at the time the crime was committed. Then, after all of the witnesses placed you at the scene of the crime, at the last minute, or last minutes, or days, you you, you, you switch courses and admit it to being there, and then that necessitated more lies and continued to lie, and. Um, and I say, Where will it end? It's already ended for many who have heard you and uh, concluded that it'll never end. But within your own soul, you have to deal with that. <clears throat> and I know you have to see Paul and Maggie during the nighttime when you're attempting to go to sleep. I'm sure they come and visit you. All day and every night. Yeah, I'm sure. And they will continue to do so and reflect on the last time they looked you in the eyes. As you looked the jury in the eyes. I don't know a um, person who's always been such a gregarious, friendly person, caused your life to be tangled in such a weave web, uh, such a situation that you, um, yours have spun into and it's so unfortunate because you had such a lovely family of such friendly people, including you. And to go from that to this, you know, your license to practice law has been stripped away from you, you turned from lawyer to witness, and now uh, have an opportunity to make your final appeal as, a, as an ex-lawyer. And it's almost, uh, it's really surprising that you're waiving this right at this time. And if you opt to do so, it, it's on you. I, you're not compelled to say anything. But you have the opportunity to do so.
2: As I tell you again, I respect this court. But I'm innocent. I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my wife, Maggie, and I would never, under any circumstances, hurt my son, Paul. Well,
3: and it might not have been you. It it might have been uh, the monster you become when you uh, take 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 opioid pills. Maybe you become another person. I've seen that before. The the, the person standing before me was not the person who committed the crime, though it's the same individual. Um, We'll leave that at that. I can just imagine on that day, June 7, when a lawyer is confronted and confesses to having stolen over a half a million dollars from a client, and he has a tiger like Mark Tinsley on his tail pursuing discovery in the case involving the death of Mallory Beach and having a father for the most part on his deathbed. I could imagine, or really can't imagine, (laughs) but I know it had to have been quite a bit uh, going through your mind on that day. But amazingly, to have you come and testify that it was just another ordinary day that my wife and son and I were out just enjoying life, not credible, not believable. You can convince yourself about it, but obviously you have the inability to convince anyone else about that. So. If you made any such arguments as a lawyer, you would lose every case that, like that. Cases you will never have an opportunity to argue anymore, except perhaps your own, as you um, sit in the Department of Corrections. Right, Mr. Murdo, I sentence you to the State Department of Corrections on each of the murder indictments in the murder of your wife, Maggie Murdo. I sentence you for the term of the rest of your natural life, for the murder of Paul Murdoch, whom you probably love so much. I sentence you to prison for murdering him for the rest of your natural life. Those sentences will run consecutive. Under the statute involving possession of a weapon during a violent crime, there is no sentence where life, a life sentence is imposed on other indictments. That is the sentence of the court, and you are remanded to the State Department of Corrections. And officers may carry forth on the imposition.
1: Okay, you guys, that is where we're going to wrap up this episode. Um again we'll update if there's anything else that comes out but just wanted to put this little update episode out for you guys i know it was kind of all over the place but i just wanted to be like candid and talk yeah. about what happened um yeah i know i think you did a great job of, of
0: recapping the timeline of how things you know awesome progressed and <laughs> yeah what, it was you want to call it a progression but
1: it was a yeah. lot but yeah but yeah thank you guys for listening uh we'll have a new episode out on monday and until then keep it human Bye.